everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. It's always just a priority <clears throat> for us around here to, uh, to stand on the authority of Scripture. It, it's, it's our ambition that we want people, all of us to understand that there, there is something that God has allowed us to have, and it's his very words as, as instructions, as guidance, as a way for, for us to understand what, what God is like and, and who we truly are in Christ and we have the, the privilege to have his word with us. And so that's what we're talking about today as part of our core of who we are as a church, talking about the fact that we are people who must stand on the, on the authority of scripture. And, and, the, and the, this, is, this is our authority that we follow. This is the way that we, we need to see things in life, the perspective that we need to have in life because this is what God has given us as a way of, of knowing how to navigate through this life. So <clears throat> this is core. This is core to what we believe um, as a church. This is core. Hopefully this is core <clears throat> to who, who you are as a, as a Jesus follower. It's interesting, a number of years ago, Life Magazine uh, came out with uh, top 100 events of the last millennium. Uh, and, and so they, I'll, I'm going to just, I'm not going to go through all of 100 with you. Uh, I'm only going to go through the, the, the top three, three events, okay? Number three on the list was Martin Luther's 95 Thesis. Martin Luther's 95 Thesis. Um, and so this is, you know, the beginning of uh, the Reformation. If you know, know, remember anything or know anything about, you know, church history or whatever, this was the beginning of the Reformation. This was Martin Luther saying, wait a second, um, you're, you're keeping the, the word of God away from us. You know, only those who were priests or, or in authority, they're the ones that, you know, controlled or dictated and, and manipulated the scripture and what they wanted to use it for in order for them to, you know, gain more, you know, more authority or reputation or, or financial gain or whatever the case was. And so Martin Luther actually got a hold of the scripture and started reading the scripture and realizing that it's not by works that you're saved, it's by grace that you're saved, and so he, he began to put, put together what, what is now known as 95 Theses, and he hammered it to the, to the door um, of that. Thank you. And so um, he hammered that to the door of the church and, and, and said, you know, this is, this is what we, where we need to stand when it comes to the authority of Scripture. And so as a matter of fact, that happened um, over 500 years ago um, on October 31st. And so maybe if you're thinking about maybe another way that you want to, you know, do uh, trick-or-treating or, or celebrate Halloween, uh, you can maybe go up to door-to-door and just put 95 theses on everybody's door of your neighborhood. Maybe that's an idea that you have. No, no, I wouldn't recommend that you do that. I wouldn't recommend that you do that. Um, but no, this was, the, so they actually, on October 31st is what they celebrate Reformation Day uh, for that. And so that was number three on the list, um, the beginning of the Reformation. Number two on the list uh, is in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Uh, that was number two, pretty significant uh, an event. Number one on the list is this, uh, Johannes Gutenberg prints the Bible. That's number one on the list, the most uh, you know, uh, influential, uh, one of the greatest events over the last millennium. Uh, you know, number one on the list was this, that the fact that the Bible would be printed you know, in mass number and, and then dis- dispersed out into the, the world for that. For now, it's not just people like myself that have you know, spiritual authority that can handle it, that it's now in the hands of everyone 
every single person. The Bible is now accessible to every single person and it was huge significance. And as a matter of fact, this really launched the number three on the list of Martin Luther's, you know, plea for understanding the scripture for yourself, reading it, what it actually says, and knowing the expectations of God. And, and that really just allowed this, this Reformation movement to happen. It was amazing. Churches that were Jesus-exalting churches on the authority of scripture began to expand around the world. And new churches were, 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 were growing up saying, we're, we're making much of Jesus. We're receiving him by faith and the receiving that gift of God that we get through him. And so it was just exploded. As a matter of fact, um, just on a practical level, priests and nuns were now getting married to each other. How cool is that, right? They're like, you know, this was, this was now a new thing that they're now discovering for themselves. And this was as a result of the fact that now people have the word of God in their hand for them to be able to read it for themselves. The way that we see scripture, we look at it in, in the way that the Hebrew writer wrote it in Hebrews 4.12, he says this, he says, for the word of God, it's living and it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's, it's the, way that, the way that the scripture teaches us about scripture is that it is God-breathed, it's living. It's, God, it's God's breath on a page or, or however you read your Bible. Or how, you know, it's, it's, it's God's way of saying, this is my, these are my words. These are living words. These are active words. They wanna do something. They wanna, they wanna do something in your heart. And they cut deep. They cut deep. They cut down to and divide soul and spirit. And, and it says that they, it, it can really just reveal to us who we really are, right? It, it says that it judges us, the, our thoughts and, and intentions of, of our heart. It, that's what the word of God can do and that's what the word of God wants to do and what God wants to do through it in your life. He's, he wants it to be living and active in your life. That's the way that the Hebrew writer says this is the way that we need to see the word of God. Peter wrote it this way. He says, for you have been born again, not of, of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. He says, for all, uh, verse 24, for all flesh is like grass and all of its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers falls off. But then he says this, but the word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word which was preached to you. And so he's just saying that, that w w people are gonna fall, people are gonna fade, we, we're gonna wither away, that, that flesh is like grass, it, you know, in, in, in the glory, in our best days, in our glory days, you know, are like flowers, but eventually, you know, those, the grass withers and eventually those flowers fall off and maybe you've gotten to a place in, in your life and you've looked in the mirror and you're realizing the flowers are falling off, right? Like, the, you're like, flowers fell off a long time ago, pastor. Like, like we understand this practical concept of, of the way that we are as, as people, but here's what Peter's point is. Peter's point is that, yeah, people are gonna come and go. Great men are gonna come and go, but great women are gonna come and go, but the word of of God will remain. The word of God will endure forever. 
The word of God will endure forever. And the word of God has been doing it. As a matter of fact, in this day, in this time, uh, when we think about communist China, when we think about communist China, back about 40 years ago in 1980, there was, there was a, a, re- a record of about 100 million, or 1 million, excuse me, 1 million Christians in communist China, okay? Um, in 2010, there was a, there's now a record of that there was more than 58 million Jesus followers in communist China, where the Bible is outlawed, where you know churches like this cannot exist. They're, they can't freely come and worship like in a setting that we have right here, right now in this country. But there was still, in 40 years ago, 1 million Jesus followers. 2010, to, you know, 10, uh, 11 years ago, uh, more than 58 million Jesus followers. They're saying, uh, the, those that are experts in, in this, by 2020, 25, there will be over 160 million Christians in communist China. They said by 2030, China's total Christian population would exceed 247 million Jesus followers. Isn't that incredible? Like, how does that happen? Like, that's amazing. Like, how, do, how does that work? I mean, they, they, they can't, they have to secretly go to a church. They have to go and meet in, you know, storefronts after hours and hope that authorities don't find out that they're hearing from the word of God and teaching the word of God and living out the word of God, yet it's just exploding. And the American church, we think we're under oppression and I don't know how well the American church is doing compared to this place, this culture that they have, where it's completely under the oppression and authority and, and, and a belief system that is contrary to the word of God, yet God is doing a work. In other words, things are gonna, are gonna rise up and things are gonna fall, but what will never fall is the authority of the word. You can't stop it. And there's been people that have tried to stop it. There's a guy, it was a, um, he was a French philosopher. He was a deist, his name was Voltaire. Maybe you've heard, maybe you've read, you probably you know, have read some of his writings or his quotes and things like that. Just a, a brilliant guy, a deist guy, believed that, you know, that there was an existence of God, but that you know, God you created the world, but then t- put, you know, took his hands off the wheel, basically. Just wound the clock of time and then walked away and doesn't intervene in, in the world. He just, so that's what his, his belief system was. He hates Christianity. He hated Christianity. He, he thought it was, just a, a myth and a folklore. He thought it was just, you know, a bunch of people that were just, you know, um, you know easily impressionable and, and manipulated and controlled. You know, he, that's the way that he viewed Christianity. And so he made a statement, Voltaire made a statement. He says, 100 years from today, the Bible will be a forgotten book. It took 12 men to start Christianity. One will destroy it. He, he made that statement. That was a statement that he made. He says, in 100 years from now, Christianity is gonna be done. Christianity is gonna be finished. 12 men started it. It would take one man to destroy it. And he thought he was gonna be that guy that was gonna just like refute things and, and eventually Christianity would fade away and go away. It didn't happen. As a matter of fact, a short time after he made this statement, he died. He died. He was a grass. I didn't say, I didn't say God killed him. Right? Don't, don't misunderstand me here. Okay, God did not kill him. Don't you laugh like you think God killed? Him. I don't. I didn't say that. All I'm saying is, he was a grass that withered away. He was a grass that withered away. Now, shortly after he died, shortly after he died, uh, 
his home turned into what is known as the Geneva Bible uh, Institute. Geneva Bible Institute. <laughs> his home. They produced scripture out of his home after he died. And, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of, of you know, interpretations. And you may are familiar with, if you know anything about you know, your Bible, your church history, they, you, there's a, one of the original first written Bibles you know, for us written in English was the Geneva Bible. Geneva Bible, maybe you're familiar with the Geneva Bible. It came out of that movement. It came out of the fact that like, this guy thought, I'm gonna end this thing and I'm gonna destroy this thing. And he died. He was a grass that withered away. He was a flower that fell off. But the word of the Lord remains forever. There's no stopping this. There's no stopping the word of God. This is what Peter is saying to us. It can't, it, no communist belief system or philosophy will ever stop this. No intelligent, you know, philosopher, you know, named Voltaire, you know, will, will stop this. And, and, and trust me, I could go on and on and on and on about men and women that said, I'm, this is gonna be over soon, this is gonna end soon, but here's the fact, here's the facts. The word of the Lord has endured forever and it will continue to endure forever. Amen, yeah, yeah, that is true. So here's, here's what we need to do with it, okay? Here's what we need to think about when it comes to this. Psalm 1 says this, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but his delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the word of God. His delight is in the sacred scriptures. His delight is in what God has allowed us to have and hold and to read and to understand. That's what, he, and so he's saying, listen, you, you and I, if we need to separate ourselves. So he, can you, Neva, can you go back to verse one for me again, real quick? He says this in verse one, Psalm one, verse one. Blessed, in other words, that word blessed means happy. You, you wanna be happy? Like, this is what he's saying. You wanna be happy? You want to like feel a, a place of some contentment in your life and, and you want to have that joy in, 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 in your life regardless of your circumstances. Like he says, here's what you need to understand. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. You see, you see like the progression here that, that's happening? Like, and this is oftentimes what happens to all of us, right? It's sort of this progression that happens. He's like, he's like blessed is the one that doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. So you're, you're sort of walking along and associating yourself with, with the things of this world or people that are not trying to encourage you in the things of God, right? And so you're sort of walking along and then before you know it, and here's sort of our progression, right? Before you're, walk, you're walking along, and then next thing you know, you're standing, you're standing, and you're taking more in. You're observing more. You're, 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 you're in tune to, to more things that are contrary to the word of God, and you're standing in the path of sinners. And then, before you know it, you're then, you're sitting in the seat 
of scoffers. If you want a personal example of this, you should read the story of Lot. Lot is a perfect example of this. You know, that he saw, he walked towards Sodom and, you know, and, and he saw and then he pitched his tent outside of Sodom and then eventually you see Lot living in Sodom, right? And he was destroyed with the city. And so this is the picture that he's saying. God's saying, listen, if you wanna be happy, if you wanna be happy, we sometimes, you need to move away from being associated with things that are contrary to the word of God. You need to move up because eventually you're gonna stand in it and eventually you're gonna be sitting in it. But then he says, instead of associating yourself with that, you should now associate yourself with the word of God. He says, so it's this opposite effect. He says in verse two, go back to verse two. He says, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now listen, here's the way that we need to think about Scripture, okay? Here's the way we need to think about Scripture. Simple, delight in God's Word. Delight in God's Word. We need to, we need to read Scripture. It needs to be core in our life. We need to make some revisions in our life when it comes to you know, where we're walking, where we're standing, where we're sitting. We need to make some revisions in our life. And, we, and instead, we need to you know, think about the fact that God's word to us needs to be a delight to us. Psalm, Psalm said it this way, Psalm 119, uh, 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey, to my mouth. Like think about the thing that you love and enjoy and delight in so much, the thing that you eat or something that you drink or something that you take in. Like think about the, what you delight in. He's saying, listen, I want, you to, I want you to shift your focus now on his words. I want you to think about my words, God's saying, and I want you to delight in those things because there's, there's every reason why we should delight in God's word. There's every reason we should think about how do we delight in God's word. I mean, what we get from God's word is we get to see a God for who he truly is. Like a God who is like a father to us. Like a God who loves us like a father. And, and Jesus gave this beautiful picture of who God is, right? When the, you know the story of the prodigal son, right? The son took his inheritance. He basically told his father, I wish you were dead. And he ran and he took his inheritance and he lived. And he, what did he do, right? He was walking in the council of the ungodly. He was standing in the, in the path of sinners. He was seating in, seated in, in sin in his life, right? What, that's the picture. You see the picture. And then, and then the, yet the father, once he knew that he he knew that eventually the money would run out and the party would stop and eventually he would realize that what he was looking for in this world, he could never truly find, right? And then Jesus tells the story, the father who was watching in a distance and he sees his son coming back in return and the father darts off the porch of his house and starts running to his son and he comes up close to his son and instead of pounding him like, like a, a, maybe a, you would have done to your kid, you know, after he shamed you and embarrassed you, he embraced him. And he loved him and he kissed him and he put the robe on him and he put a ring on him and he, and he burnt, he made an awesome steak for him, right? I mean, I'm just paraphrasing now, but this is, this is what the picture that we have, like God's going, I want you to delight in that. I want you to delight in that. I want you to delight in the fact, and I want you to delight in the fact that we have a God who doesn't sleep. 
Like he's like, when you're sleeping or you're trying to sleep and you're worried about things and you're losing sleep over things that you, you know, you can't shake. And he just wants you to know that he doesn't sleep and he's for you. Like he's for you. He's, he's like, so when you like think I didn't get this done or I didn't accomplish this or I didn't finish that or I didn't do a great job with that or, or this is still looming or this is still hanging over my head or, or there's no solution to that yet. God is on it. He's on it. Like he's like, you can sleep because I don't. You're fine. I got this. You can sleep, but I don't need it. And when you're sleeping, I'm working still. When you feel like, ah, I can't, I gotta control it, I gotta handle it, I gotta deal with it, I gotta work it out, God's going, you don't actually. As a matter of fact, what, what is, I mean, come on. There's a, a God in the Bible that tells us to rest. Rest. He's like, I want you to, I, I want you to not work a day. Like this is, this is, you know, again, just, I just want you to like take a day where you don't work. Like what? Yeah, I just, I just want you to, I want you to trust me with that margin. I want you to trust me with that day. And I want you to think about that in terms of, listen, I've got this. I've got this. It's, this is under my control, God is saying. Listen, delight in that. Delight in that. And when you feel like I can't get it done or I can't make it work or I can't get this, make this happen, we need to read the scripture and see that there's a God who reveals himself that says to you, I've got it. Rest. Sleep. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I mean, come on. A God who is patient with us? A God who says, listen, we make mistake, 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 and that there's a God who is so gracious and so patient and so long-suffering for us that even though, man, we, we know deep down inside, man, I, man, I deserve like, you know, to, to get worse than what I'm getting. We just know that deep down inside, and God's going, I'm patient with you. He's going, delight in that. Delight in that. I want you to delight in the fact of who God is truly, that he is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere. That's who he is. Delight in that. I mean, we can delight in the fact that we can see, see who we truly are too, like who you truly are in Christ, in God, in Christ. Listen, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? Delight in that. So when you get the enemy like telling you that you're not this and you fall short here and you're not good enough and you can't, like there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no, like everybody else wants to throw stones at you, but there's a God that's saying, listen, those who are without sin, let them be the ones that cast the first stone. There's a Jesus who said to the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery to just go and sin no more. What patience. And he didn't condemn her. He only showed her grace. This is the God that we serve. You know what God says about you and me that we should delight in? You're not a sinner. You're a saint. 
like Paul wrote these letters to these churches, right? And he would always sign these letters and he'd always, he'd always tell them who they are, who they are in Christ. Not how, they were, how their performance was, but who, what their position was. Not what their performance was, but, but what their position. One particular church, he wrote, he wrote actually three letters to this church. We only have two in our, in our canon of scripture, but he wrote three letters at least to this church in Corinth. It was a terrible church. It was an awful church. And you know what he called them? You know what they, he called them? And, and we, again, I don't have time to go into all the things about this church in Corinth, but it was disgusting. And, and he, you know what he called them? He called them saints. He called them saints. And even them, they're probably reading this letter going, I ain't no saint. And even you, maybe on days you're going, I don't feel like a saint. I feel like a sinner. And God's going, you gotta read my word. And my word's telling you, not based on your performance, but based on your position in me, you're a saint. You're a saint. You're a saint. It even takes it further than that. You know what he calls us? He says we're a holy priesthood. You're a bunch of priests. You know what that means? As a priest, if you know Jesus, you're a priest. That means Anytime, this is the parallels that Jesus was giving. Anytime you want, you can have access to God. Anytime you want, you can go to God. You can go to God anytime. You're a priest. You're a son and a daughter of God. You're an heir of God Almighty and a joint heir with Christ. Come on, can, any, can we delight in this? This is what he wants us to delight in. This is, this is sweetness. This is sweetness. It's sweeter than honey to our mouth. We get to see God. We get to see who we really are in the eyes of God. And we get to know that God is so gracious with us and he uses us in spite of us. You know what the MO was of most biblical heroes that we read in the Bible? They were messes. They were total messes. Like they were like, you think about Abraham, right? Think about this, think about this. Abraham tried to prostitute out his wife to save his own butt. It's in the Bible. You, you laugh because you're like, yeah, that was weird. That's Abraham. Like, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Like, but yet this is what, like, David, can we talk about David for a second? Are you kidding me? At the, at the, to, to, to just, just to skim the surface of David, he was an adulterer and a murderer. I mean, Elijah, Elijah just got done seeing God work incredibly, faithfully, amazing, like in an amazing way at the, at, at Mount Carmel and, and what he, Elijah experienced. Elijah got a, a letter from a queen, Jezebel, and it, and it scared him so much that he went and hid in the cave and was suicidal. This is Elijah. I mean, we can talk about Peter. We can talk about what Paul did. We can talk about James. James is like, you're my brother, but I don't know if you're the son of God until he saw him after his resurrection. And then he believed. I mean, John Mark, we have Matthew Mark, Matthew Mark, the gospel of Mark. Do you know Mark walked away from the faith for a time? You, you can read in an Acts where Paul's like, I don't, I don't want this guy with me. He's, he's like, he's walking away from the faith. He's one of our gospel writers. 
completely abandoned Paul and eventually found his way back to Jesus. You should be delighting in the fact that God uses people like that. Rahab? I don't even want to go there. It's uncomfortable. My kids are sitting here. Come on, delight. Delight in it. He goes on to say this in Psalm 1. Blessed is a person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And what does he do? And on his law, he meditates day and night. Second thing we should do with this is that we should meditate on God's word. We should meditate on God's word. We should reflect on God's word. We should think about things in God's word. When? When? As you're walking, as you're standing, and when you're sitting, we should be meditating on God's word. Now listen, here's, with, here's the thing with, med- with meditating on God's word. It's about quality over quantity, okay? Quality. Here's what God would prefer. God would prefer that you take one verse and meditate on it than read a whole chapter and forget everything you read. Does that make sense? It's, it's, about, it's about that. It's about quality over quantity. God, listen, one verse will, will radically change your life. One verse. One word in a verse can radically change. Why? Why? Why is that true? Because it's living and active. It's living and active. It's, it's working in you. It's gonna cut through into divide soul and spirit. It's gonna call you out on the intentions and the thoughts of your, of your heart. It, it's, it's how that works. And so when you get, begin to read it and delight in it and then meditate on it, it will radically change you from the inside out. So it's, it's quality over quantity. Here's what Joshua 1.8 says. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success. I mean, come on. He's like, you want to have God's goodness in your life? This is not prosperity gospel. These are not material things. These are spiritual things. You want to have success in your life when it comes to doing life well? Meditate on on it day and night. As you walk, when you stand, when you sit, meditate. That means this. Let me give you a practical example. Let's say you only have 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day to read some scripture and to pray, okay? Basic things. These are things you've heard before. You got 10 minutes. Here's here's my advice. Here's, Here's my practical advice. Take the first five minutes, read scripture. Read a scripture. One, two, three, at the most. Take the next five minutes and just think about and reflect on what you read. And then as you go, by that time, you've now memorized a verse or two. At that time, you've now memorized a verse or two. Now, as you're, as you're walking about your day, as you're standing in your day, and wherever you're sitting in your day, you're still reflecting 
and you're still meditating on that. See, here's the thing, and you've heard this before, less is more in meditation. <laughs> less is more when it comes to meditation. It's quality over quantity. Verse or two, reflect and watch and see what God will do. I don't know if I just rhymed there, but it sounded like I did. I'm kidding. Less is more in meditation. That's what we need to do with scripture. It's rich. It's rich. You don't have to read it in chunks. And then when you read it in chunks, you're like, ah, I don't know what that was about or I don't know what that means. One, maybe two, meditate on that. What will you be like? Here's what the psalmist said. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in a season and its leaves do not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. He prospers. So what do we do now? What do we do now? And this is the implication here, okay? We do, we delight in it. Of course we should, right? What it says about God, what it says about you. Meditate on it. It's quality over quantity. Let it be quality in your life. And then obey God's word. Obey God's word. I'm a, I, you're like, I, I feel like now I'm in Sunday school again. Like this is like, I, this, but this is, this is this basic. Obey God's word. It's, it's, what we're, it's, it's applying what we, what we read. It's applying what we, what we heard. It's applying it to our life. It's, it's what we have. Now, I don't know about you in your home, but my kids all have this disorder. Okay, they all have this, it's called DOD. Anybody ever, D-O-D, have you ever heard of this disorder before? All my kids have it. They, it, it it's in my household. I don't know if you have it or not. But it, it stands for Delayed Obedience Disorder. <laughs> have you ever had that before? Have you experienced that before in your home? Like I have it, all my kids have it, right? Delayed, don't look at me like that. Delayed <laughs> Obedience Disorder. That, that's what they have. Listen, listen, this is what we have. Like we know, we know what God's word says. Like we know what God's word says. And, and yet the, the, the thing is what, what, what will work, when it will work in your life, when it will work in your life is when we obey it, is when we obey it, is when we obey it. You know some of the things that are hard for us to obey? Can I just give you a list? Just a list. This is just a list that I came up with. Things that are hard for us to obey. Do not fear. You know how many times it says do not fear in the Bible? Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Don't have anxiety. How many times? Like, how many of you have a hard time saying, I cannot, I don't, I'm not gonna fear, right? I do, right? I do. I have that hard time. Is it, but it says over and over and over, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not worry, do not worry, do not have anxiety. Like over and over and over, Jesus is trying to reassure us and God's word is trying to reassure us that you don't have to be afraid. Obey that. Obey that. Let me give you another one. Submitting to authority. Woo! Now I'm pushing buttons right now. Submitting to authority. Submitting to people that are over you. That's really hard for people to obey. But the scripture is very clear. We submit to those in authority. Let me give you another one. Not forgiving. Not forgiving. It's really hard to obey. It's really hard to not to, for, you know, to, to find forgiveness and to forgive somebody. It's really hard. We're not very good at it. We hold grudges. We get bitter. We get resentful. 
Somebody's hurt us, somebody's wronged us, and we don't want to forgive them. It's hard for us not, not to do that, not to, not to forgive. Let me give you another one. Be generous. Be generous. These are hard things for us. And I think sometimes we have this disorder. Delayed obedience. Delayed obedience. You see, what happens is this. Here's what happens when it comes to obeying God's word. Application, application is the activation to God's personal will. Application activates God's personal will for your life. So when you delight in God's word and you meditate on God's word and you obey God's word, you know what happens? It will then activate something in your life that you'll start to see and experience God's personal will. He's got a personal will for your life. But the only way you'll really discover it is that when you apply God's word, it's the only way it will activate that. It's the only way because it's God's way. It's God's way. And when that happens, you will be like a tree planted, a strong, firm, deep-rooted tree being fed into by an irrigation system of the, of the water, of the word, constantly. And when the wind comes and the rain comes, right? Jesus, what did Jesus say about this? He's like, come on, you're either building your house on, a, on sand or you're building your house on a rock. Which one is it? He's, he's, he wants to know. You're either building your house on sand or you're building your house on rock. He says, what's, what's the difference? He, Jesus said the difference is those who build their house on the rock are those who hear my words and do them. That's rock. Those who build their house on sand are those who hear my words and do not do them. That's what it boils down to. James says it this way. Don't just be a hearer. Be a, a doer. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer. Jesus was teaching the house and, 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 and Jesus' mother and siblings came and wanted to pull Jesus out of the house and ask him some questions. And Jesus was like, listen, uh, and somebody showed up. They're like, hey, your mom and your siblings are here. They want to they talk to you. And, and, and Jesus made the statement. He says, you know who my brothers and sisters are? My brothers and sisters are those who hear my words and do them. Application is the activation to God's personal will for you and your kids. And there's a lot of things in scripture that are hard to obey and I listed a few of them and there's many more. But if you wanna know God's personal will for you, if you wanna be blessed, happy, if you wanna experience prosperous and, be, and having you know, success, this is it. This is it. This is it. Last thing, scatter God's word. Scatter God's word. Scatter God's word. Neva, can you throw um, Psalm 1-3 back up for me real quick? Psalm 1-3, can you, can you throw that back up for me? Look at, look at it says, one, uh, one verse three. Yeah, verse three, please, thank you. Verse three. Oh, you're fine, you're doing, you're doing it. There it is. He will be like, look at, look, at the, look at this. He will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit 
in its season, okay? So we delight in God's word, we meditate on God's word, we obey God's word. What will happen? We'll produce fruit. What will produce fruit? What are the fruit? When, when, a tree, when a tree produces fruit, is it for the tree or is it for others? It's for others. Like when a tree, a tree doesn't consume its own fruit, but a tree produces fruit for, for others. And eventually somewhere along the line, a tree, you know, whether it's like through wind or water or animal or whatever the case is, eventually what happens is from the tree, it, it throws out and it scatters a seed and then that seed takes root into the ground and then that tree grows up and then that tree grows, you know, produces fruit. It's always for the sake of others. And here's the thing when it comes to the Word of God. Listen, this is living and active stuff. This is, this is like seed. It's, 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 it's alive. It's, or it, it produces things. It, it grows when it, when it spreads. This, this is what we should, we should do with it. We should throw out the seed of the Word of God so that people can get the benefits of that. And they can be like the, they can become like trees planted by the waters. And it's season that produces fruit and leaves do not wither. And whatever it does, it prospers. Like, but this starts with us as trees already firm in the ground. And we are people that scatter that word out to a world that needs to know it. Listen, it's on us to do that. And you're like, I don't know it well enough, or I don't have enough verses memorized, or I don't listen to that. Listen, listen, it just takes a verse to throw out there and watch what that seed can do. It just starts with a little. It just starts with a little. And what it can do, I'm telling you, it will explode. It will explode. So, God's Word is living, it's active, it's our authority. We stand on that. We stand on that. We delight in it. We delight in it. We meditate on it. We obey it. And we need to scatter it. We need to scatter it. We need to be like a living epistle. That's what we need to be. We need to be a living epistle. People see our life and they see it. It's just, we're just saturated in God's word. And we're like a living epistle that people need to read and see in our own lives. Scatter it. Scatter it. You have no idea what it could do. It is living and it's active. It's not just any words that come out of your mouth. It is the very words of God that comes out of our mouth. And watch and see. Watch and see what that can do. Father, uh, the core of who we are is that we, we place our life your word that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and God that your word that you give us is perfect without error it's given to us as a way to understand how we live and navigate in this life so I pray that we're a people that delight in it 
we're people that meditate on it, that obey it, and scatter it. That's what you call us to do. That's what we're to do with it. And that's not a bunch of how many, you know, chapters we can read in a day or a month. It's just, it's just about taking a verse or two and just allowing that through the Spirit, the working of the Spirit of God with that to just reveal to us some things that will be life-changing and that will bring us success and bring us prosperity. That we'll, we'll maybe we'll be like grass that withers or flowers that fade, but we'll, inside of us will be renewed. We'll be renewed. God, that's, that's, our, that's our prayer. I pray, Lord, that that's the prayer of every single person here. I pray, Lord, that they have a renewed, revised sense of it and what it is and what it can do and that they look at it in a way of delight, delight, as opposed to the alternative of walking with scoffers and sinners and standing and sitting with, with unrighteous. God, I pray that we, we turn our attention on you we turn our attention on your word because that's where we'll find true life, true life and fulfillment. God, I pray, Lord, that you just um, use this, this message today, Lord, in a way that radically changes the heart of every single person that hears it. And I pray, Lord, that it's, it's shared and extended out, Lord, knowing that it's you use you use people like, like us to do things that we couldn't do on our own. So, Father, I just pray you bless each one here. Give them a great rest of the day and rest of the week. Bring them back safe next week. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Good to see you.